0: Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy.
1: Oh, that's old-fashioned.
0: Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post-Senning act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Welcome to Awesome Etiquette, part of the Infinite Guest Network. I'm Dan Post-Senning.
1: And I'm Lizzie Post from the Emily Post Institute, and I will say that for our... Episode today, we have some extraordinarily exciting news to share with you. Dan? Well, I'm engaged. Yay! <laughs> Pooja said yes.
0: In fact, she said yes, yes, yes.
1: <laughs> oh, nice. You got triple yes.
0: I got triple yes.
1: I love it. Yay, Pooja!
0: It really is a treat to to, to share the news with all of our listeners out there. Um uh, At the Emily Post Institute, we know that people come to us at four major life events, and one of them is when they get married. Um, So when one of us uh, crosses uh, that milestone or starts to look forward to crossing that milestone, it's a little bit of a big deal. So it's been really exciting for me, um, both personally, but also to share that news with my colleagues, who are also my family. It's one of those those, uh, feedback loops that's just nothing but positive. So here we go. Peter,
1: (laughs) my dad, walked into the office, I think it was like yesterday or Tuesday, and he goes, so wait, you asked her like he had? It's, you've been engaged for like two or three weeks now, yeah. and she had like Peter just had no clue that it had actually happened.
0: Well, a little bit like you, Peter is Lizzie's father, my uncle, Peter Post, and um, Lizzie had been really helpful for me finding an engagement. Ring. Oh, we went and, ring
1: shopping left, right, and center, and yeah. it really
0: started the process. And, it was and fun to, to share a little more of the story. Uh, there was a particular jeweler and I went back with my now fiance and she ended up finding a ring that was unexpected it yeah, was we unexpe- had no idea we had spent some time looking and um, boy she had a good eye it's it's oh. really it looks phenomenal on her it's and it really suits her and it was a huge success, and and I look forward to sharing a little more of the proposal and the engagement story. But, um, but I, I I'd had the ring and have been waiting for the perfect time, trying to set it all up. So people in the family knew it was coming. So Uncle Peter was away traveling, and I just assumed he knew, and he'd got back and had been around for a while. Well,
1: especially because we had announced it during a staff meeting, it's just we all forgot he wasn't he, he wasn't, wasn't there, there for that staff meeting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so one day we're we're walking into the office, we have this sort of funky bridge into the second floor of our building, and he looks over at me and he goes, "Oh, by the way, I heard you." (laughs) engaged. It's
1: so cash, just like that.
0: I said, "Oh, Peter, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I I, I forgot to tell you." And and uh, Lizzie's mother, Peter's wife, Trisha, had sent a lovely bouquet. So, it, in many ways, the whole the whole thing had registered as if it had been officially from long. both but of
1: them, and it hadn't. Well, come on, give give the give the listeners the so story. Propose tell them how it a story.
0: Happened. Uh, Country boy proposes. It was a spot that my brother had found on the hike up Camel's Hump back in our teenage years of Which exploring.
1: Is the mountain you live on the side um, of now? I
0: live on the side of Camel's Hump in central Vermont, and second highest mountain in the state, only one without. A ski area. So it's absolutely beautiful. You get up into the Green Mountain National Forest and you can sum it out. But on the way up, there's a secret waterfall. And back when I was 16 years old, I said, someday I'm going to propose here. And I didn't think it was going to take 20 years. (laughs) um, I definitely remembered the promise to myself. And I introduced the proposal when uh, Pooja and I were on a hike and we kind of snuck off up there and, and um, she's such a free spirit. She was just loving this adventure and this waterfall. And all of a sudden, I'm talking about setting intentions. And this is a great place to set intentions and make 20-year plans. And uh, she starts to realize that – one of my good friends asked me, so did you get down on one The I said, no, we were on this ledge and we were kind of sitting next to each other. But um, – I definitely said, now, don't miss it. This is, this is where it's going to get kind of serious. And I proposed. I told her I loved her dearly. I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. And she just said, yes, yes, yes. And we were really excited. We spent a little bit of time... Um, Just enjoying that moment. And after a little time had passed, I said, so do you want to see your ring? And uh, Lizzie had helped, as we said earlier, kind of get us started on that. And then Pooch had found it. And then because I had purchased it, it had been a while, she thought that it had been sold and it had been lost. She told her family, her sister and her mother, that she was really disappointed. She hadn't told me. She went
1: back and the ring was gone and she was so upset. So she says "There's a ring, and I said, "Yes, absolutely and she says it
0: and and then I see the the realization that maybe it was maybe the, the one the one that she had wanted and so when I tell the story, I love to share that it was absolutely the best of both worlds, as far as the ring goes and i'm I'm, I'm really focusing on the ring. it's not the heart of the matter, but really it was the part that we talked about previously on the yeah. show and to, to, to bring it all back around. She both got to pick exactly the one she wanted and get surprised when she got it. Which so, is awesome. Which if, if you could design a perfect scenario, that's, that's, that's right it. up there. That's in exactly it. it. So, it yeah.
1: Um, now, if you want to see video of said ring, I was smart enough to bust out my little iPhone camera and actually uh, take a little clip of Dan as he was purchasing the ring. And I will tell you that the very best part is at the end when it freezes on his extraordinarily excited face. And you can just see that he is he is dying to do this and he knows he's making the right decision. Um, I will also tell you, and I'm going to take full credit, that one month (laughs) into their relationship, as soon as I met Pooja, I turned to Dan and I said, you're going to marry her. And it was just she's one of those people that you just meet her and you know that she is perfect for Daniel.
0: And and I was—it's funny. I was saying to her just last night. I said I sort of stumbled into this decision, and it was an easy one to make. It didn't feel hard, and yeah. I think it's one of the best I've ever made, if not the best. And um, that's always—that's always the best.
1: <laughs> best,
0: best, best, best. Can you tell I'm a little gushy here?
1: <laughs> so congratulations, Dan. And we really hope that our listeners will continue to share in the wonderful moments to come in our lives. Absolutely. Ooh, I love the- I do you love it too. You say, yeah, yeah. They yeah, do say, yeah, yeah. I want you, baby, and I want you to want me too. They want to say, yeah, yeah. They do say, yeah, oh yeah. I want to hold you. And now for the main part of our show your questions. Awesome etiquette gets support from Storyworth.
0: I'm invited to a black tie wedding this summer. Is it appropriate to wear a black gown with a black and ivory top? Lizzie?
1: I say yes. <laughs> I, I think that for a black tie wedding, first of all, um, it, it it nowadays is perfectly okay to wear black to a wedding. We do suggest that you don't wear all black. So maybe, you so know. So in some ways oh, this
0: might be perfect.
1: Exactly. So, you know, but add add some kind of a scarf, some kind of color, something to it to break up the black. Um, just so that you don't get misconstrued as as a funeral. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a <laughs> you know? curious
0: cousin here. I get questions about ladies' attire all the time. Yeah. And hel- help me out. Colored scarf, jewelry, is that enough to break up a black dress?
1: Colored scarf, yes. Jewelry, I don't think so. I mean, it'd have to be some pretty massive earrings and bangles and necklaces to break up a black dress. I think... You really need a scarf to break that up, or you need it to be a, a separate so black mm-hmm. bottom with you know, beautiful colored top, or if Cardigan. it's mostly black dress with you know, I don't know, flowers or pattern or something, or if it's the color blocking thing, which is what. Um, this reader's talking about, and just to get back to her question, yes, it, it is appropriate. Black tie, it sounds like the gown will definitely be appropriate. You might throw some kind of a colored shawl in with it just so that you have that little pop of color somewhere. But the black is fine. The ivory is fine. And after that, I wouldn't worry about it. And yay for you for getting invited to a formal wedding. I feel like I know, those don't right? have... We, so it should be said, Dan and I live in Burlington, Vermont, so you know, very, very casual, casual place. Culture. <laughs> it is not what you would think that – a lot of people assume the Emily Post Institute has, like, vaulted ceilings and marble columns. and <laughs>
0: Butler serving tea. Butler
1: serving tea if at If someday. <laughs> One day. Um, and, and no, I mean, Dan and I each kind of grew up in, in the country in Vermont, and it's very casual. So we like it when we hear people going to fancy things. Interesting
0: aside, there's a shortage of butlers in the world right now. Apparently it's Hello. a trend following the popularity of Downton Abbey okay. internationally. A lot of the, the 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 emerging super rich globally are wanting uh, very traditional butler. British trained butlers. You want so yes, there's currently the something valets, like 10,000 butlers in training oh in, in Great Britain. So so yeah, look to a new vogue oh. <laughs> around
1: having a We might a have some new butler etiquette for people. <laughs> Question number two also comes from our newsletter readers, and it says, My sister-in-law, late 50s, and her daughter, my niece, 30, whisper a lot when my niece entertains in her home. They're in an open kitchen that overlooks the entertainment living room area, and I've noticed this bad habit for several years. No matter whose home we're in. My sister-in-law and her mom used to whisper in the kitchen. So this sort of rudeness as I see it seems to be an adopted trait down the g- genealogy line. Is it rude to whisper? I I definitely do think it's rude. I think that no matter what, I mean, even even when someone starts to lower their voice at the Emily Post Institute, I'm like, wait, are they talking about me? What are they saying? How come I can't hear it? All of a sudden, all these negative thoughts pour into my head that Probably they're talking about just something, like, personal. It's <laughs> something that
0: we often say in our business training at the Emily Post Institute. In the, the absence of other information, people's interpretation often defaults to the negative. If two yes. people are whispering over <laughs> there, they're probably whispering about me. It's it's not an uncommon perception.
1: Exactly. So you're right that the behavior is rude. Um When you're in someone else's house, it becomes a real question as to whether or not you should say something if you're being made to feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Now, I go the route of these people are family. They're people that you're going to get together with a lot. I would probably try to talk to them at a different point in time. Maybe if you get together with your sister-in-law or her daughter at some point and just say, you know, I just have noticed this happening often. And I just need you to know that it makes me feel uncomfortable. And I wish it was something that I didn't see going on so much. And I think finding a way to say that I always say, you know, you don't have to take the words right from my mouth, practice them on your own, see what feels comfortable to you. You can even test it out on another friend to make sure they're hearing you right. But go for the – we always say to go for the intention and explain your intention. And your intention is is that you really want to feel comfortable and focus on having a good time with your relatives. But when this behavior comes out, it starts to, to make you feel isolated and like you you aren't a part of something and mm-hmm. – it's, it's something you would rather not experience at a family gathering. I really like
0: where you're taking this answer, which is that it's it's worth addressing if it makes you feel uncomfortable, but because you're talking about addressing someone else's behavior, <laughs> it's by definition an awkward or difficult conversation. So
1: awkward. And
0: um one of our classic jokes at the Institute is that you rarely have the standing to correct someone else's behavior. So
1: rare. You might
0: think you have standing. <laughs> parents often do with their children. That's one of the, the very special and privileged right. relationships where you get to talk to somebody and really tell them what you think they should be doing yeah. in a given situation. And they, and they Grandparents,
1: will, too. They seem to be able to get away with it.
0: <laughs> although parents will tell you, good luck. Your kids very quickly reach an age where maybe you don't have as much standing as you would like.
1: Oh, teenagers? <laughs> and,
0: and the other one is your spouse. Well, I can tell my spouse. Well, once again, good Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so having that difficult conversation, when it comes time to, to to really talk with someone else about something they're doing in your impression, uh, I, I like where Lizzie starts from the the intention. Be really clear with what your intention is, that it comes from a place of caring, about wanting the relationship to be as good as it can be. Yeah. A, a little tactic that we often suggest, often in professional context, is ask permission to have the conversation. You know, there's something I've noticed that I'd like to talk with you about. Would it be okay? Yeah. Just getting that much buy-in from someone can open a door where now they've agreed to talk with you about it before they even yeah. know what it is. And it winds having... up,
1: like, not feeling so much, like, telling.
0: Exactly. You, you've asked permission to have that did. difficult conversation. Yeah. I also love the way you took the conversation out of the context, away from the event as it's happening. Yeah,
1: I wouldn't do it right then. I mean, maybe if if they if they have good sense of humor, if they aren't too... To hey, what feel like, well, about over no, there? No, yeah, like call, you know, if you if you have a good sense of humor, if you can call them out in a way that kind of like lets them know, hey guys, that's what you're up to, yeah. that's okay. If you try that once and it doesn't work for the future, I would I would not try it repeatedly. Careful some people with the passive aggressive yeah, teasing. Some people feel like they can go for that and that that's the appropriate way to handle it and to do it over and over and over again, and it just isn't. It becomes that annoying thing that you're like. It's it, it's you don't want to fight bad behavior with bad behavior. You know, you'd rather be More the good example. Advice. And um what's the one that you always say that I love so much? It's not do unto others as you would have done to you. But instead, it's.
0: Do unto others as they would have you do unto them.
1: As they would have you do unto them. I love that so much. So if you think that they would respond better to that one-on-one conversation, I say try to have that. If you think that they're going to respond and pick up what you're throwing down on a quick, light, passive-aggressive joke, go for it. (laughs) Agreed. I want to step
0: way back and even talk about whispering because okay. <clears throat> it, is, it is one of those behaviors that a lot of people perceive as rude. There are going to be times where it's the polite thing. Just being quiet, talking on oh, your cell right. phone. Oh, right. At
1: first, I was like, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, you're
0: in a movie theater and you need Damn, to uh, get by there. somebody.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there, there are times where a whisper is entirely appropriate, but there are definitely times where it creates the impression that a secret's being shared or someone's being excluded. And yeah. you want to be so, so careful about giving that impression or creating that well, impression. Well,
1: you know, the one that also goes right along with that is um, if you're bilingual. And you're talking in a language that not everyone present knows how to speak. I actually, some of my closest girlfriends are from Peru and Colombia, and all of a sudden they'll slip right into Spanish. And it's always one of those things where, like, you're like, oh, that's so cool. My friends can do that. And then half of you is like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Wait a second. Mm -hmm. And they're really great about, you know, if you're like, English, They, they jump right back to it and explain to you what was just said, that sort of thing. But it can be one of those things, especially in a work environment, where if you switch to speaking in a language that not everyone around you knows how to speak, it can really be perceived just the same way as whispering, that you're talking about someone, that you want to say something you couldn't say to their face.
0: So our next question asks, my husband and I were going out for breakfast and left our home at the same time in different vehicles. Maybe they're on their way to work. Now I'm just speculating. He called a friend on his cell phone to join <laughs> us. <read> the <laughs> I missed a traffic light and arrived a few minutes after my husband to the restaurant. When the waitress came to take my order, I was surprised to find that my husband had ordered before me and that he had ordered for our friend, too. <sighs> I think that my husband should have waited for me before ordering. I also think they shouldn't have started eating before I got my meal. Is this poor etiquette?
1: All right, let's make quick work on this one. You give your vote. Where, where does your vote lie? Like,
0: have a little patience, please, to the husband. Wait for people to arrive to order for themselves, unless you plan on paying for everybody. And even then.
1: Yeah, I don't even <laughs> think even then. I do not want to show up to her. I mean, like if I'm going out to eat with. You know, a husband or a friend or somebody, a husband, because I have so many. Hey. <laughs> um, if I'm going out to eat with a spouse, uh, and a friend, yeah, I I do expect that they're going to wait to order until I get there. And yeah. if by chance, OK, something happens, you took a different route and all of a sudden there's major traffic, you're going to be 15 minutes late, I would call and say, you guys order, go for it. But I, if I'm just like right behind you and you know I'm going to be right behind you, yeah, the polite thing to do is to wait until everyone's there to order. And at
0: first I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe they know each other so well. It's like the same coffee and bagel and no, you get it ticked. and then it's waiting she's for them. She's ticked him. about this. <laughs> and it's the friend you don't know about the friend too. Yeah, that yeah. one. Seems... No, we
1: we rule in favor of you. They should have waited. And
0: I I also think the the, the question about eating as food arrives unless the people who aren't eating have really clearly said. No, don't wait for me. My food's going to be a little while coming. And clearly that wasn't said here because no. they started eating and she was feeling offended at this. Well, yeah. and
1: it's one thing when you're at a large table like at a wedding or something like that and three people, you know, it's always the rule of 3. Three people have been served so you may begin. That's kind of the if you're in a in a bigger um Venue, buffet, a bigger style occasion. Situation. Yeah, when three people have been served or three people have sat down, if it's a buffet situation, then you may begin. But when it's just three of you going out to dinner, I don't think that you know. I'm with Dan.
0: The smaller the party, the more consideration, the more that cohesion you should, yeah. you're looking for.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be.
1: What do you
0: know? Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions.
1: If you have a question you can submit it to awesome etiquette at emilypost.com.
0: So today's etiquette history is going to start with a question that we get asked not infrequently when we're teaching dining etiquette at the Emily Post Institute, and that's which way do I pass food around the table?
1: Wait, what do you mean? There's like a history to this because I thought the answer was just you you pass to the right just because it's easier. It's not like – it's just it's easier literally to like hold the bowl to someone and then they serve themselves and Absolutely. you know it, like no, it, it works that way pretty simply unless you're left-handed. You're,
0: you're already uh, you're you're getting to the heart of the matter already. Oh, the the, the reason I'm is smarter to than the I history. think I am. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me the history. What is the history? All right. Like? So
0: uh, as Lizzie's alluding, you when you pass food, you are meant to pass to the right. Obviously, if um, if for some reason it's easier to pass left, you do. But generally speaking, pass food to the right. Why is that? Because when you hold the dish for the person to your right, their right hand is available to serve themselves out of that dish.
1: Oh, they're not like it's it's so like I'm do picturing little, doing like a little chicken, chicken wing thing wing. where my arm is like really cl- like T Rex, my arms really exactly. close to my body, and it feels so.
0: Small what and you awkward. got to imagine is if you're sitting there. And I'm so glad they don't have cameras roof. on us right now. <laughs> Holds it. Your, your, your right hand is there to take the serving spoon, reach across your body and serve onto your plate. Then you take the dish from the person on your left and you hold it for the person on your right. Many people are familiar with the idea that very formal service comes from the left and is cleared from the right.
1: Right, then... leave on the left, retrieve on the right. That's what I was always taught.
0: Absolutely, about, yeah. and, and it's, it's, it's pretty standard when food was brought to the table on platters. Actually, when food is served already plated, it really doesn't matter which side it comes from. But if you've got a formal dining situation where food's being brought to the table on platters, and maybe there's even two servers working with each diner, and one is clearing the place in front of the person as the next food is arriving. Whew, they're clearing from the service. right, <laughs> Well, from the left the food's coming in over the left shoulder, and it was brought in from there for just the reason. <laughs> I'm Sorry, right says. now
1: I'm just picking like, picturing like air traffic control like above you as you're seated at this table like coming in on the left, moving on the right.
0: <laughs> Good service. Delta Charlie. Look it, out. It, it, ah, it is like there's
1: that. A spill. <laughs> okay, sorry, keep going. No, that's that's pretty much the that's
0: the history. That's the the reason, that's the concept, that's the the practicality of
1: it. And that's how it came to be. This show, we have a slightly different segment for you. It's called our Awesome Etiquette Rapid Fire segment, where we like to answer questions quickly with yes or no. And of course, as it comes with all etiquette, there aren't always exactly clear-cut answers. So of course, there are caveats and situations where the yes or no might get bent a little bit. But for all intents and purposes today... We're just gonna fire through these twenty questions. We're gonna
0: try to restrain our chatty selves and yes. see if we can uh, if we can be as clear as possible.
1: It's like a challenge. All right, are you ready, Daniel?
0: For the awesome etiquette rapid fire question challenge? Yes, I am.
1: Okay. Ah! Number one: Do you write a thank you note if you've opened a gift in front of the giver?
0: No. Can you request RSVPs to come in via text?
1: Yes. Do you have to have a bridal party at your wedding?
0: No. Is it okay to follow up on RSVPs a week before your event?
1: Yes. Do you have to bring a hostess gift every time you're invited to dinner with close friends?
0: No. When contributing to a potluck, is it okay to ask that your serving dish be returned to you?
1: Yes. Is it okay to turn down a request to volunteer in your community?
0: Yes. Do you have to let everyone touch your baby bump when you're pregnant? No.
1: In social situations, can you put lipstick on at the dinner table?
0: Yes. Should you always arrive early for a job interview?
1: Yes. Do you have to respond to comments left on your social media posts?
0: No. Do you have to get a bride and groom a gift that will pay for your plate?
1: No. If you've been invited to someone's house, should you reciprocate the invitation?
0: Yes. Should you apologize for a pocket dial?
1: Yes. Do a bride and groom have to handwrite their thank you notes?
0: Yes. Yes. Is it rude to tell a host about a dietary restriction or allergy?
1: No. Is taking care of personal hygiene or grooming at your desk appropriate?
0: No. Should couples be split up when seated at a table?
1: Yes. Do you tip your regular UPS or FedEx delivery person? No. Should... Sorry.
0: (laughs) Should you write a thank you note even if you gave your host a gift for an overnight visit?
1: Yes. We hope that helps clear up some of your more pressing etiquette quandaries.
0: Um, If you have any questions about anything that we've said here, feel free to send them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, and we will clarify in a future episode.
1: Dan and I really love to highlight the good etiquette that's happening out there in America today. So each episode, we like to do an awesome etiquette salute.
0: So I'd like to offer an awesome etiquette salute to Adam Farrar, the CEO for HostGator, And HostGator is the hosting company that serves the website, emilypost.com. We also route our email through the HostGator servers. And about a week ago, my Aunt Peggy called me as the talented nephew, cliche, now IT guy for the family business and said, you know, my email doesn't seem to be working right now. Can you help me with that? And sure enough, she was right. Her email was not working and it wasn't anything she was doing. Nobody in the company was receiving emails and no one was really able to send them. So after about an hour and a half of tinkering, the service came back online. Everyone was greatly relieved. I'd forgotten about it by the time the next day rolled around until I got an email from the CEO at HostGator, Adam, and its subject line was, we're sorry, an update from HostGator. And he went on to explain in the body of the email that they had had some difficulty with their servers, some complicated technical issues, that they were really sorry, that they knew that people counted on them for their business and they knew it had been interrupted, They got the service online fast enough again that most people in our company hadn't noticed. I had completely left it behind. And yet here he was apologizing for the mistake, assuring us that it wouldn't happen again, that he appreciated that that disruption could have been problematic and that they wanted to offer everyone who had been affected a month of free service from the company. I thought it was such an – uh, such a great example of someone taking responsibility for a mistake, mm-hmm. apologizing for it, and taking a concrete step to make it better. If I was to give professional advice about how to manage an apology well – it would have been like this. And I just can't say enough how much I appreciate it. It was one of the reasons we chose HostGator to begin with. They got great marks for their customer service. And to me, it well, wasn't surprising to see their CEO take personal responsibility for a mistake that had affected the whole company because that's the kind of leadership that really that really creates a culture and a community of that kind of respect. So once again, this is a, an awesome etiquette salute to HostGator and to their CEO, Adam Ferrara, for his great apology. <laughs> Well, now,
1: wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. Thank you for listening. Oh, that sounded bad. Hold on. <clears throat> Some, Sometimes we need to do something really jokey with one of these, like in unison, sing it. Ready? One, two, three. Thank you, you for listening. listening. <laughs> Is that rude? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, or your suggestions for a future podcast to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com.
0: Or you can find us on Facebook at the Emily Post Institute, or you can reach me on Twitter at Daniel underscore Post.
1: And I am at Lizzie A. Post.
0: This is Awesome Etiquette, part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media.
1: The Infinite Guest Network has all kinds of podcasts for you to listen to, including The Splendid Table, Dinner Party Download, and Wits. Find them all at infiniteguest.org.
0: Um,
1: Man, if I ever get getting... worn out, I got, I got to stop recording it.